Greetings, readers and travelers, and welcome to episode 16 of Stats on Stats. Today's topic is our discussion of the work of Harmon Cooper. But before we get into that discussion, got a little housekeeping to do. If you're watching this on YouTube, please consider dropping a like and a subscribe. And don't forget to hit the bell to get all notifications for all of our amazing shows like the Cross Media Show, the Penultimate Game Show, Anime Nation, and the Marvel Mondays Initiative. If you're watching this on Twitch and you have Amazon Prime, you have Prime Gaming, which means you get one free sub to give out. We'd love if you gave it to us, but if not, it's all good. No worries. Upcoming on the Penultimate Conquest this week, Monday, join the Marvel Mondays Initiative as they do their discussion of Spider-Man Homecoming, leading up to the release of Spider-Man No Way Home. On Tuesday, tune in for the Penultimate Game Show as they do their discussion of the Game of the Year 2021. And on Thursday, join for the live reactions of the Game Awards. He didn't give me a time for that, so I don't know what time it starts. I want to say it's at 7 o'clock, so... normal time we'll we'll just say that we'll go ahead and just say the normal time so my name is richie stevens i am your lit rpg expert here on the penultimate conquest and today i'm joined by you know my normal guy uh my normal co-host the monster riding badass joel harvey joel how we doing today i am doing fantastic rich and i am excited for this episode (laughs) and i am very excited for this episode as well and joining us for the first time, but it's not the first time we've discussed his work, Harmon Cooper, winner of the 2021 Game Game Lit, Lit RPG Audiobook Award. Harmon, how are we doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. We are very excited for you to be here. You have like no idea how excited we are. So I'm excited to be here as well. So just a quick little background, really quickly. Um, Harmon, we've talked about your book, The Feedback Loop, here on the penultimate or on Stats on Stats. It was uh, one of our episodes, probably, I think, four or five episodes ago, where we had Sajan on, and it was his first lit RPG. And we got to talk about everything we loved in the first book for The Feedback Loop. Oh, wow. So uh, I wanted to save that part for the end, but let's go ahead and talk about The Feedback Loop really quickly because you told me earlier today that there's a little bit of a re release coming with that that is true so the feedback loop was first published in 2015 before you know we had the terms lit rpg and game lit um there have of course like people will debate like what was the first game lit? that's not the debate on this but um i really want it to reach um more people and so i've thought like um how what what could i do you know because it was my first self-published or it was my second self-published series that sort of thing um and I wanted to, to maybe um, kind of revamp it. So the idea is, it's, it's really cool. I was talking to Soundbooth Theater. And they've done six of the eight audiobooks. And I'm like, they were scheduled to do the seventh and eighth this year. And I was like, let's not do that. Let's, let's just do two like box sets. The first four together, the second four together. And then re-release them with like new covers, new concepts. Why the same guy who's, uh, guys who are doing like Cowboy Necromancer, Pilgrim, like these covers like like so just completely revamped like the way it looks kind of bring it up into what like my current catalog looks like Mm -hmm. plus um i wanted to like because a couple years ago jeff hayes narrator read some of quantum's list and it was funny as hell because he's just you know like item number one blah 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 number two blah 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 and he just started reading it as quantum 
and like he would discuss what each item did, you know, like, and so he would say the item and then be like, yeah, just in case you uh, need a can opener, sometimes you need one, like that kind of thing, right? <laughs> so I was like, what would it, wouldn't it be cool if like I, I fleshed out the entire inventory list in the first volume had the first 300 items and the second volume had the second 300 items, right? Because there's actually about 600 items altogether. Right. And so I'm doing that right now and like, man, some of them are, like I'm really trying to like find like some pretty crazy things <laughs> to put on it, like this Nike Tiger King on Ice commemorative mullet, like things like that are just like wacky things that Quantum would have. Like, because of course, like, you know, Disney plus Nike, Dis Nike made a Tiger King on Ice. And of course they would have a commemorative mullet, you know, like stuff like that. So I've been like really trying to do that. So, the f so that's part of it. And then the other part of it, I wanted to, um, I want to do like some short stories that happen in the loop. Cause you hear about like the reason he has these items, right. is because he uses them to like mark the day passing mm -hmm. as, as you learn, through the, you know? So what the idea came to me, like, cause I was like filling out the list of, uh, of items and I like, I was like, okay, he, one day he gets a bronze medal. The next day he gets a silver medal. And then the, the, the third day he's like, does something else he gets donatello's staff and then the fourth day he's like all right i'll get the gold medal and he gets the gold medal and i was thinking like how funny would it be to write those days like what was he doing to get these medals why was he getting these medals obviously for dolly to try to impress her and um and it gives me a chance to like revisit the loop as well in in kind of way before quantum realizes what's going on because remember when we when we start the feedback loop he's you know he's it's a lot further on he's in the 500s i believe right, right? um so this would be like in the 200s so he's just kind of like going around killing things, doing riotous, like that sort of thing. So I pitched this also to Jeff. I'm like, hey, would you be interested in this? And he was like, 100%. Also, he wants to re-record the first book because um, he, he, he uh, thought that he could do better. Like he, I thought the first book's fine, but he, he wanted to like uh, bring it because he wanted to get, because he he's really into the quantum voice and he wanted right. to bring that up into like, uh, because as, as soon as the second book and forward goes on, he's really locked in. So he's also gonna redo the first book. So we're gonna Ooh. simultaneously release it in print and audio. So it'll be coming out like ebook, print, audio, the first set with the, you know, the inventory list with the short story. And then I, I believe like a month or a month and a half later, the second set with the finished inventory list with more short stories based on some of Quantum's weird items. So that's the idea <laughs> and I'm excited uh, because, you know, like I want it to look like my modern catalog, like these, like, I mean, I mean some of my early feedback loop covers, like I, uh, my wife and I did in Mongolia. So like, oh, wow. this is, yeah, like I, I designed them and then I had her like paint them and then she had a graphic designer there work on them. And none of them are like up to par, not the ones that are live right now. The ones that are on there right now were redone by some uh, Ukrainian artists mm -hmm. and then some, uh, some other artists in like uh, 2017 to 2019. I want to have my new artist, like Daniel Kamarudin, who, as you've seen, like if you've seen Cowboy Necromancer, Pilgrim, War Priest, he's doing those covers. He okay. Sacred Cat Island too. So I want him to do it, and I want Sean King, the font guru, who's done all the font on all of those, to do it. And I think it's going to just pop. So we'll see. All right. So like um, my my introduction to your work was the feedback loop, and that's why I wanted to do that uh, book on our episode and i was like what's a better like you know yeah. way to do an introduction to lit rpg and game lit than with a cyberpunk book that is you know just non-stop like adrenaline and really is. and i sent saj of a list saying hey 
here's a couple books we can do. Like, what do you want to do? Like, do you want to be stuck in a video game? Do you want to be transported to a video game like world? Like what, how do you want to do this? And I sent him, um, two books. I sent him Shadowcroft Academy by James A. Hunter. And actually I, that's one of the ones I'm going to be reading soon. Oh, it's good. It's really good. And then I sent him Bibliomancer because I was like, all right, because I, I I love James A. Hunter. And I was like, all right, if we're yeah, doing yeah. the fantasy type thing, like he's he's good for that. And he's like, ah, those aren't really my forte. I was like, what about a cyberpunk matrixy type thing? And he goes, yes. And I sent him the thing of um, the feedback loop. And I sent him a screenshot of the cover and then sent him a screenshot of the description off of Kindle. He's like, that is right up my alley. I was like, all right. So I gifted him a copy of it. He started reading it. He's like, man, does does audiobook work a lot better? I was like, yes. And for your first audiobook being Jeff Hayes, you're in for a treat. <laughs> he's like, is I this all, a- all one guy? I was like, yeah, it is. Jeff Hayes Dude, has okay. that range. Yeah. I have an amazing funny story about that, about the feedback loop and about Jeff Hayes. So my, my father passed in 2018, right? And <laughs> I... In 2016, when uh, it would be t- early 2017, I think it was released January of 2017, is um, when Jeff Hayes um, recorded uh, and released the feedback loop. Well, my dad had like no way of listening to this, right? Like mm-hmm. he didn't do audiobooks, he didn't do computers. So I burnt him CDs, right? And I <laughs> sent him all these CDs. I'm like, because he'd like seen things. I- I've been writing for a long time and he'd seen things, he'd read some things before. He always kind of commented on them, like it's not my style or whatever, but you know, keep trying. Yeah. He calls me and he's like, son, he's a Texan man. He's like, we, we need to talk about this book. He's like, do you have a Hollywood agent? Because I will represent you if I have to. I have just heard the craziest before. How many people are narrating on that book? How did you get all these actors? I'm like, it's all one guy. He's like, that's a man? You know, like doing Dolly, doing Francis and stuff. And like, I'll just never forget like how like shocked he was. And then of course, like his immediate thought is like, all right, don't worry, I'm, I'm a guy living in the middle of Texas. I'm going to take you to Hollywood. I'll, I'll handle everything. So I'll be, and I'm like, let's not, let's not go there. You know, <laughs> let's, let's, let's just, let's just see, let's just put the book out there, you know, but yeah, I know what you're saying with Jeff Hayes. It's amazing. Uh, we, we absolutely love uh, Jeff here. Joel, talk about your like introduction into Harmon's work really quickly. Cause it was feedback loop as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, feedback loop was my introduction to Harmon and Mainly it was whenever cyberpunk was coming out and I was like, okay, why did, uh, why don't I try to see if there's like a cyberpunk esque lit RPG? And I, I loved it and it was amazing. And yeah, uh, quantum is just like this crazy. Don't mess with me from this. in the streets. Uh, just like how he uh, acts and mm-hmm. yeah it, it definitely has that vibe uh, that I was looking for um, yeah and like now like I just like reading Cowboy Necromancer and seeing all your other books you uh, I least I feel you have like an amazing talent as inventing new characters that are super in depth with like quantum and with uh, uh, Sterling and yeah, just 
and and you put out like so many books <laughs> um and they're all just uh these crazy wacky characters um I, I, i'm there with you with that man like i i think that my stuff kind of has a, sometimes a little bit of a slow burn to, not slow burn but like it takes a moment to get into it and then once you once you like lock in then like it completely makes sense i've i've gotten that comment a lot and i hate that comment because i'm like man just get into my stuff you know like, <laughs> like uh, I mean, it's at least when i was starting out like now i've been doing it enough that i've like you know like my readers trust me like if i write a book called cowboy necromancer i'm going to deliver you know you you, like, you did i'm gonna go ahead and just say that you absolutely yeah, delivered because yeah. i read that on kindle first because I try to, I mainly do audiobooks, but I try to do the whole, like, yeah. actually reading on Kindle because I have a Kindle and I have Kindle Unlimited. And I ended up actually buying uh, Cowboy Necromancer after reading it on Kindle Unlimited because I was like, oh, oh wow. this is good. This is really, oh, wow. really good. And then I got the audio uh, for both Joel and I, and we listened to it, and I was just like, whew, this yeah. is outstanding writing, outstanding performance. That's that's the best way to put it, because, you know, I would save this for final thoughts. I'm going to go. I'll probably reiterate it there, but I'm going to go ahead and say it now. You have amazing writing and amazing uh, combinations when it comes to uh, your narrator choices and having picking the right man for the job, I guess, is the proper yeah. thing to like to bring your stuff to life. You oh killed it. It's so important. It's so important. And. Um, that's one reason I wanted to kind of, um, you know, I have this stuff uh, coming, redoing some stuff with SBT mm -hmm. and I want to work with them again in the future because like, there's only certain people who can like really bring my, do my stuff right. You know, like I've, I've, I've done, I've got, oh my God, I've, I've had like probably 60 audiobooks, I don't know. And, um, there are some, there are groups of people that like just lock into it. You know, like Neil Helliger's is one of those, like as soon as he gets my stuff, he's just going. Baldry is the same way, like as soon as he gets my stuff. And this is also uh, a compliment to them as mm -hmm. narrators because like they're all so good, you know, but like it's kind of cool. What, like I really take narrate. I almost I I listen to what narrators say over what like readers and authors say a lot of times because like they have to read so much more than <laughs> readers and authors, you know, and they have to like literally sit there and read it out loud. So if a narrator's like, you know, I will make like uh, I will make room to do your book. I'm like, that's like the ultimate compliment to me. You know, it's just like, okay, that means that like, I know what I'm doing. Like they trust me. I trust them. And I, I just love that. But with Cowboy Necromancer, my God, especially the second book, w once it comes out on audio, I've never written a, anything like that. I don't know if I'm going to be able to t top the second book, to be honest. Sorry, <laughs> everybody. Um, but the research I put into it, I mean, I went to all the places. I mean, I went through Utah. I'd like had to fight altitude sickness. I, I like read like, nine or ten books to like be able to craft like the backstory um and so that's all there like and the th what i found for research is kind of weird is that like i try to find stuff on the southwest because that's the setting yeah and i'm like looking on amazon i'm like i can't find the shit i need i always find the best stuff weirdly enough at national parks in their gift shop because they have the <laughs> books that are related to that area Right. And so I've picked up like one of the best ones I picked up for the feedback or uh, for Cowboy Necromancer 2 was um, called Desert Solitaire by Ooh. Edward Abbey. And and he's this he's this um, park ranger writing from the 1940s and 50s while they're paving the park in, in Utah. And he's not happy about this because he's like, look, if you pave the park, it's going to reduce the challenge it is to come see this. And people can just drive up and like it just commercializes it even more. And now Utah is actually dealing with this issue where they have to like 
you know, like have timed tickets and stuff because so many people just, you know, drive up to the parks and that kind of thing, right? But he was talking about this in the 1940s and 50s, and I, I got the biography at the park. And so it really shaped, like, some of the background writing. And the other book that really shaped it was called House of Rain by Craig Childs, and it's about um, uh, petroglyphs and uh, Pueblo art and, um, uh, like, uh, astroastrology in New Mexico. I mean, listen to that word, astroastrology. I didn't even, I've never even heard this word, and I'm like pretty like into kind of things like this. And so it really shaped, when you listen or read the second book, it really shaped the direction it goes. It shapes who Sterling meets. Um, they, he meets a freaking astroastrologist who kind of like joins them and leads them with explaining like how these petroglyphs, how this cave art relates to the very first time the Godwalkers struck. Because this isn't the first time, this is the second time. And I was able to piece all this together because of this na uh, national and natural history. Wow. I'm really excited. I like the book is good. I, I, I'm in the <laughs> middle of finishing up Rise to Glory right now on Audible. And I was going to dive right into Jake's Mystical Market because I got a review oh, copy yeah. of that. So popular. And Travis does it. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to dive right into that. And I forgot that I had uh, Cowboy Necromancer 2 pre-ordered for this uh this week and i'm like oh crap i have to make a decision here and with you telling me that uh sterling i'm about to come back yeah and the cool thing is like um if, if you've never been to utah like uh i tried to like uh, cast utah in like the framework of like mormon um uh like uh like mythology Okay. So, you know, Mormon, Mormonism is a relatively new religion, considering it's you know, only in the 1800s that it came out. And so it, there's no commentary at all on, like, the religious side of it. Nothing like that. But mm -hmm. I wanted to, like, I wanted Sterling to just be transported to a place, because that's how it starts. And it's not a really a spoiler. I mean, it's the very first, like, line. Transported to a place, and then he has no idea where he is, because, of course, his memory's wiped. And the locals keep calling it Deseret. He doesn't know what Deseret is. Well, Deseret, in terms of, like, the Mormon religion, is the name of um, North America. Right. Right. So he's he like there's all these like if you've never been to Utah, there's all these like pieces that like lead to like tell you where it is. If you have been to Utah, like within like the first page, you know where he is. You know what I'm saying? So I really liked that idea because I like I was thinking about like British readers and stuff like, damn, like where did they where is he? You know, or people who haven't traveled as much or don't know as much about that religion or that part of the, of the Southwest. Mm -hmm. It's coolest setting. I mean, like, man, I'm telling you, it, like, it's so it's right next door to me. Oh, where are you? Colorado. Oh, you're oh, dude. Yeah. So um, any anytime yeah, you, you talk about I twenty five, like I was listening yeah. to the audiobook and he, he was like, I forgot I twenty five was mis mentioned, and I live pretty yeah. much right off I twenty five. Yeah. In northern Colorado, and I'm just like, yeah. He needs to come up this way, just dude. <laughs> I know. I really. I had another Colorado reader like he has to come here, and I'm like, the sec the second book is basically he gets transported to Utah and he's like he wants it takes him a while to figure it out mm -hmm. but he needs to make his way back to Chaco Canyon and New Mexico and he's going to do so by way of Arizona so I actually just got back from Arizona um because I wanted to like I wanted to I want to blend with the third book like um some of the like the native lore of Arizona like the Puebloan lore um mm -hmm. and then also like Spanish words like Sinaqua the Sinaqua Mountains um because and the Sinaqua people like I really want to utilize these things. And then the other cool thing, which I think will be really fun, is um, Comancheria, which um, a very, very brief history history lesson. So the Comanche, we, we all know the Comanche, they were like kind of everyone's like punching bag mm -hmm. up until the time the Spanish brought horses. 
And it's a really remarkable cultural um, change because as soon as the Spanish brought horses, they, within a hundred years, are like they've completely like taken an entire area that's called Comancheria, and they called it this. And it, and it took it was really hard for the U.S. government to like eventually, you know, they, there's a lot of like fighting that had to go along for them to actually get it back, right? right. And um, I wanted to bring that back for this book. I'm like, wouldn't it be cool if there was like a post-apocalyptic Comanche who aren't necessarily native? Like who maybe some of them are, but they're just recruited people and they've reformed Comancheria, which stretches from Colorado to Utah, New Mexico and Arizona like that, you know, the four corners there or whatever. Right. And so it's really fun to like research that stuff as well. So as you can tell, I have like am obsessed with the research part of that book. Well, and then and I, I have to put the game part. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, and I was going to say, cause when uh, I originally wanted to have you on uh, for our last show in November and you were traveling for, uh, research for Cowboy Necromancer three. Actually, I did three. Re uh, I did Cowboy Necromancer three research, and I did um, uh, Tokens and Towers research in the same trip. And then in the middle of that was um, Vegas twenty to fifty k a writers conference where I hung out with Ryan, like everyone. Because uh, SL Roland was at that as well, I think. Because I remember yeah, seeing I him post on Twitter about it, and I'm like, ah, Matt did it, and hung out with him. Yeah all amazing people at that con. I was like, I was following it on Twitter. I was just like, dang, I really want to go. And it's, it's only about a 10 hour drive for me. Do I want to make this drive just to say hi to everyone? There were a few people there that just come It's mostly an author convention, but there were a few people that showed up. And then there, there are also people that are trying to become authors that go mm -hmm. to like take all the classes and stuff. And so I went to, you know, I went to like some of the, I was on a panel for audiobooks actually with podium. And then I went to some of the, um, the the lectures and stuff as well okay but it's it was a blur man because like it's vegas for one and so it's <laughs> just there's always there's always meetings there's always like places to go went to a show with ryan de brune um which was really really fun and carl stubblefield um we went to see like uh cirque du soleil yeah yeah ryan's gonna kill me because i i can't go to dragon con this year because work was like, yeah, someone's already picked the week you're trying to request off, and the closest we can do oh, is like two weeks before. I was like, I, but I was gonna, I was gonna try my best just because we're doing this podcast, and like, I, I want to meet like all these, you know, amazing authors that I've gotten to interact with doing on this show, and you know, many more. And I was yeah, like, ah. Sure. So when she was like, yeah, no, your your vacation, we can't do that. Someone's already picked the, uh, it was like that closing week which is I think like the fifth through the uh, 10th because the week before is a blackout week because we had to get ready for labor day. Was... So wasn't really super thrilled about that. Are but... you going to go? Joe? Am I? Me? Oh no, Joel, uh, he goes every year. Probably Joel, yeah. you go every year. Yeah. Okay. Very, very cool. I, as I said, I may or may not be there. I need to go back to Asia next year. My wife is from Mongolia. She has not visited her home country in like six years now. Oh wow. And, uh, well, because as soon as she became an American citizen, COVID happened. And so it was uh, traveling to, you know, Mongolia was not going to be an easy thing. And so I, it's like I kind of like I, I'm, we're trying to go in the fall of next year because like the spring is looking like it's not going to happen. Right. Because um, I want to go to Japan. I have a, a, an idea that I've been working on for a while um, that I want to do from Japan. And I kind of want to do like this isekai um, um, back and forth, like hunting yokai in real world Japan and but going back. And I, I'm really like I, I I've written in Japan before. I've written Japanese within Japanese mythology. I've written like 
stuff that never has been published that is set in modern day Tokyo. Fantasy Online is like Neo Tokyo. It's I lived there for almost a year, so it's very it's something that I'm like interested in doing. So the idea is I would go to Japan, she'd go to Mongolia, and then we'd meet up and eventually go to Kyoto. So it may be happening during Dragon Con time. So we'll see. I, I'm sold on that book idea just from the little description you gave us. I've I I it's it's kind of like I think I'm gonna have to, I have another thing that needs to come first because I really want to do it from Japan. Like I want to be there and like there's a um I'll 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 look up the title. But there's a a, a a fantasy book that was written in, in in Japan as a setting and like it was really inspiring for me. I'll look up the title though because I I can't think I'm bad at thinking of those off the top of my head. <laughs> There, all, all the titles kind of run together in my head right now because I, oh, yeah. I have so many in my like well within my backlog and you know all oh, just doing the show. Is. And Joel's like, "Hey, did you read this? Did you read this?" That's it. It's called Number Nine Dream by David Mitchell. David Mitchell um, being a, a he's pretty awesome. I like I like a lot of his work. I'll I'll have um, to have he, you message that to me later so that way. Yeah. He wrote he wrote um the book for Cloud Atlas um which oh. was later a movie. Yeah, the the book is insane. Inter if if you're interested in like writing styles, it's insane. Okay. Um, story wise, it's it it could uh, it it could be maybe hard to follow, but right like each um, part is broken up into a dip like from a completely different per uh, person's perspective at a different time in history. So like the person writing from the 16th century or whatever it is, re really writes in that way. Like mm -hmm. if you literally like got a letter from the 16th century and read it, like which would be hard to do because of the way that they utilize language differently. Yeah, he wrote it in that way. Oh like, wow! The entire the entire part, like and so it it's pretty good. But anyways, yeah, that number nine dream is one of the ones that he wrote. He was a an English teacher in Japan for like eight or nine years. Oh wow! So he's really good with that setting. Okay. Hey, uh, Joel, do you have any questions on the topic of cowboy necromancer? Since we are talking cowboy necromancer at the moment before we go on to another rambling topic <laughs> um smoking cigarettes on cowboy necromancer okay <laughs> so, so what all uh you do a lot of research for your books um what all research went into cowboy necromancer and i don't know how many uh I don't know how many like Mexican restaurants do you go to or like how many because <laughs> because we know like Cowboy Necromancer oh. and Chili and yeah. uh, they went after his pepper, pepper farm, pepper man. Well, do they? Okay, so I mean, yeah. well, you're in Colorado. Uh, like, that's Colorado, what he's obsessed okay. with. Yeah, yeah I, I'm in Colorado. Joel's back in Indiana. You need to go, you need to, go down to, to New Mexico more, man. It is my favorite place, of Santa Fe especially. Um, but there's a, I, I'm from Texas originally. I'm from Austin, Texas. And so I grew up with Tex-Mex. So I'm already familiar with that. I grew up like around the Spanish language. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm not fluent in Spanish, but like I, I kind of like can, I, I, I'm actually, if, if, if I, I'm more fluent in Mongolian, if any, Mongolian and Japanese than Spanish. But I, I can like communicate in it and I can, uh, I studied it and I grew up around it. And so like a lot of the Spanish that's in the book is um, like, I knew like half of it and then I had to like um, figure out the other half of it. Right. Um, and I tried not to use Google translate as much because that can be wrong. Um, so I, I would like do like message boards and stuff like that. So it's like more authentic. Right. Mm -hmm. um, 
but in terms of the food, the, the food research, I did, you know, I did want to try several of the dishes um, that he mentions. Um, you know, like the, uh, the they do ask you in in New Mexico, like red, green, or Christmas. That's a normal thing that they'll they'll ask you if you go to a Mexican restaurant. It's the chilies they put on top. Um, they don't do that in Texas. So like the New Mexican food or the Mexican food in New Mexico is a little bit. It's more like. Uh, chili oriented because of all the unique strains that they have there so all the strains that he's always going on and on about like i have like re i, I got it from research from magazines in new mexico so like um you know because they want tourists to come right and they they cater to tourists there that are like maybe a little more affluent i would say um or um than uh that they're like affluent tourists from colorado from california and stuff so they want to like kind of like oh well you know all these uh, peppers come from Chimayo and blah, blah, blah. And so I kind of started there and I started to backpedal, like how deep can I get into peppers? And it's kind of interesting. I mean, cause like they've created some of their own breeds basically there. Like, um, the one that he always talks about the big gym, New Mexico uh. ones are, yeah, those are, those are, that's a breed that was kind of, um, ma uh, uh, genetically engineered there. So in, in terms of the, the book, like that's a big part of it. And it, if you think about what his setting Sterling is like, like, he doesn't know where he is, you know, or he's, he everything's been, um, you know, warped. But like you are, you wake up in a setting that already has this all around you, like adobe buildings. Yeah, there's pepper seeds everywhere, you know. The and so pueblo buildings, like the that bunker or settlement yeah, yeah. he comes across, um, where he oh, meets abuela. So yeah. yeah, and, so, and uh, Paco, and, yeah, and I love Paco. Paco's back. Paco's back for the set for sure. Back yes. Oh, I can't wait. I actually really liked his character and I was, I was wanting more with him. Uh, yeah, but I did too. I, I, and, and Roxy plays a really big part because Ooh, she's I just did. in the end. Yeah. You know, she's just in the end. And it's kind of like his whole reason for doing all that. And of course the sunflower kid plays a huge part. You know, I really like her character, but I'm going to touch base on that here in a minute, but I wanted to say real quick, <laughs> Zeckler in the Twitch chat just said, yeah. you can make a drinking game about every time Sterling rolls the cigarettes or talks yep. about peppers. You might be dead by the end of the book. Yeah. I've heard you, yeah. Say that. <laughs> you're, you're not wrong. Zeckler. You're not wrong at all because I just he, thought it was really funny. Like a necromancer, like who, I mean, cause he doesn't care. Like if he got like lung cancer, nothing like that matters to him at this point. I mean, no, he, 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 he would live through it. Yeah, it, it lets the thing, and he also has like resolve, so he has like a healing, natural healing capability. Well, and so I just imagined him as this guy who's always rolling one up. I knew a guy like that in Texas, always like. I was gonna say he, it reminds <laughs> me of um, a gentleman I worked with at Best Buy back home in Indiana. Sorry for my hiccups there. No worries. Um, I I this man is the complete opposite of what Sterling is. Uh, the way I describe him and I call him uncle Frank because he looks like he walked out of the Godfather. I'm talking, this okay. man is five, five. Uh, he's, he's pretty round. His hair is slicked back. Uh, and it's, he, he's a much older gentleman and he had a tobacco farm and he rolled his own cigarettes and everything. Um, Boy. Joel, I think you met uncle Frank when you would visit me at Best Buy back home, but like, and that's the, that's the guy who trained me. So anyone, any, anytime anyone talks about my customer service skills, I was like, Hey, go thank uncle Frank. He's, he's the one yeah. that helped me out. But like he would go out like almost every 30 minutes for a quick cigarette real quick. And I mean, he rolled his own and, um, I smoked for a little bit and I, I mainly did American spirits because I was like, yep, go, yeah. go big or go home. And he was like, all right, I have one of mine. And, uh, 
I had one of his. I was like, oh, oh, wow, this hits a lot different. He goes, yeah. I was like, yeah. what are these? He's like, these are my own. And I said, oh, OK, these <laughs> yeah. these hit differently. So I like anytime it, Sterling would roll a cigarette, I would just picture Uncle Frank just sitting there. Rolling. Yeah, and the best part is to like and you'll see it, it just pay attention to it in the second book because i mean some of the times that he rolls a cigarette are pretty ridiculous like, he has to deal with the stampede at some point like because i'm like i need to do make him do a cowboy thing well he's in utah they have they have buffalo let's make him do some crazy cowboy things right you know because like there was some like he's not really a cowboy he's a pepper farmer and i'm like yeah he's already says that which is kind of like an irony within the text is like he is not a cowboy but he's a freaking pepper farmer and um but I wanted him to do some cowboy things and like literally like it's like, oh, right, he's dealing with this. And it's like, you know, cigarette like just hanging from his mouth as he's trying to like, you know, deal with a herd of buffalo. I'm like, dude, what? Like, so it's watch the scenes that I utilize that as like a, a plot device, because like it'll be like some kind of scenes where it's like you really took the time to sit there and do that. Or 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 now he kind of rolls up several, you know, so you have some behind the ear. <sighs> That's... There's one real quick aside that that make makes Sterling make so much sense to me and how, uh, character who I base it on. Um, I I was roommates with this kind of tough Texan guy. Like it just would have been like in 2008, and I went to a bar one time on, in downtown Austin on Sixth Street. And long story short, like I didn't know I took some guy's seat because I was talking to a friend of mine who's female, and he ended up like like threatening me, right? Um, oh. uh, at, uh, and so my friend was outside smoking a cigarette. And so I'm like, all right, damn it. So I go outside and, and this guy follows me with two guys and my friend's just sitting there smoking a cigarette. And I like come up to him. I'm like, Hey, Caleb, man, uh, these dudes, like I got some shit going on here and like, they're gonna, it's not going to be. Yeah. So just letting <laughs> you know. And he keeps smoking a cigarette and he looks at these guys and he just flicks the cigarette at the ground and these guys leave. Because he was scary as hell. And so I imagine I imagine Sterling like very much like that. Like if this is how it needs to go. All right, let me flip the cigarette. Well, now, and now I mean like when they see the Godwalker at the uh the end of the first book, he sits there and he he's got the cigarette around and he goes, We're going up there. I just dropped it, but yeah. we're going up there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of that kind of stuff I, I feel like in the in the second book. And well, of course, like yeah, so I'm so excited for you guys to check it out. Well, and I, I keep trying to like figure out which character I'm more scared of and which character I would like to have a drink with between Quantum <laughs> and Sterling because I'm like, <sighs> like Quantum's scary. Quantum Hughes yeah. is one scary bastard. But after spending 555 days in the loop. Yeah. Or eight years <laughs> or a guy who is a necromancer that has a revolver that yeah that, that's terrifying hmm. <laughs> oh i think about quantum is that he's like and and you know the, the people that have finished the whole series will attest to this like he's actually like i mean it's all a, a front like I mean, he's a cripple in the real in the real in the real world, right? Yeah. Like, start and that's what makes it even funnier is because he's like going around on a cane and he's like, ah, sword you know, cane. He's got a sword yeah. cane. <laughs> yeah, sword cane. <laughs> um, but like he's he's a uh, yeah. I think that he would be kind of like it'd be too crazy if if you drink with 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 quantum versus Stern, If you drink with quantum, it would get out of hand too quickly. Not maybe between you and him, but in 
between you and other people or like he'd, he'd be like you know I got I know this guy at Barflies let's go down there and it'd be like oh and we're now we're in an opium dim you know yeah. whereas Sterling like <laughs> I think you would just get blackout drunk with Sterling and then wake up somewhere weird you know like somewhere in the middle of nowhere and it's like <laughs> I, I know for a fact I'm not drinking with uh, Gaspar. I I will n- no oh, he- hell no, hell no. That that's Man. a no. Joel, who would you who would you rather get a drink with, Sterling or or Quantum? Quantum. <laughs> oh man, neither. I mean, because <laughs> some shit's gonna go down either way. Uh, like probably probably Sterling. Well, the way I the, think Sterling would be tamer. <laughs> it, Harmon, you might not, you're not going to know this story, uh, but Joel, like, I feel like drinking with Sterling might end up like how it is drinking with Drew. That (laughs) that's, that's where I kind of feel like, except, you know, Sterling might go out and raise the dead a little bit. Drew's just going to sit there and do more magic tricks. So, I mean, same thing, potato, potato at this point. (laughs) Or just have you eat a bunch of peppers that you're you're gonna regret the next well, day when you have to go to the bathroom. You're I like, think oh there was God. a there was a time um, when we were in high school, we're doing you know high school stuff, you know what them high school kids do. Drew ended up eating like a bunch of peppers. Joel, were you there for that? Or peppers. I think so. Oh jeez. Um, we went to B Dubs once, and it's just... that's what it was. He got the ghost peppers. Yeah, the ghost peppers are. Oh my god! That yeah, is... I can only do so much spice. I can't do as much as probably Sterling could, but I do want to oh. try some of his meals though. Like Joel and I were talking, and oh, yeah. I, I, I get up early. I work at four a.m. every day, and on Fridays and Saturdays, I, I work at Sam's Club, uh, for my job, and then I go down to uh, Safeway, and there's a little breakfast burrito place like right, right across the street from Sam's Club. So I'll stop in there and get a, you know, a bacon breakfast burrito with eggs peppers and all that fun stuff and i'm just like yep i i I want to have sterling that's what i picture sterling eating uh one of these days when he can actually get a tortilla uh like soft shell and then eggs and some meat Mm -hmm. i kind of wanted to explore in the i did it a little bit in the second book and it'll be more in the third book because he's back in new mexico i kind of want to explore more like um and it's kind of hard as a as a dude just like traveling through as like a researcher slash tourist like more like native uh, cuisines like it's easy to get mexican food obviously yeah but like i was like what well what to like you know there's 21 pueblos in um and new mexico what are what what do they eat i mean i know they eat like a combo of mexican food and they mix things like you know fry bread with it and stuff like that so my wife and i went to the pueblo museum in um albuquerque and dude i would recommend that so much because like if you go to the museum there they they have like a uh, uh, a restaurant and it's not that expensive and we just got like the the soup sampler and it came with like all the breads like posale like all this like oh, stuff wow. and it was so good it was like thirty thirty five dollars with tip and we had gotten like also like enchiladas or something with it and I'm like man it's it's definitely the food that's going in the, the next book once he finally gets back home like he can get some like actually green chili stew and like stuff like that uh, I can't get that up on the east coast so I mean. Yeah, and it, we'll see about how far Cowboy Necromancer goes. I these these three books that I'm doing, it's Infinite Dark, Infinite Dusk, uh, or Infinite Dawn, are the or Infinite Dusk, Infinite Dark, Infinite Dawn, are like a trilogy, mm-hmm. and I may do more, but I don't think I'll do it for a while. Um, it just takes so long to write, 
And um, if I do more, I would probably do shorter books and Sterling would maybe go other places because I'd like to like see what that looks like. Okay. But then I also really like the Southwest setting and it's like, why not just, I mean, I've kind of built out like this world of Utah and I'm building out Arizona and I haven't touched Colorado yet, which gives me another option. And also up to, honestly, up to like Wyoming, Montana, like that, this kind of a whole area of interesting places to go. That'd be so really we'll cool. That that would, like that would be really cool. Shorter, you know. So um, before we wrap up our little discussion on Cowboy Necromancer and move into tokens and towers, uh, Zeckler wanted me to ask you a question uh, specifically about uh, Cowboy ne- Necromancer, uh, specifically Sterling. And that was why we started with him being at level 60 versus him being, you know, like level one to like the early days of his like adventure during the reset when that happens, like when he first meets yeah. the Sunflower Kid and uh, Gaspar. Like, I mean, yeah. we get a little taste of that because they talk about the memories of when uh, the yeah, Sunflower Kid and, and yeah, when they met in Las Cruces and he's still wearing his construction gear and everything. Uh, is there like a specific reason you started with that five year gap and everything? Yeah. Uh, yeah. For, uh, maybe stupidly um, against, so to go against expectations mm-hmm. would be one of them. Like, cause it's like a lot of lit RPGs. And I mean, tokens and towers does it starts on like the tutorial and you just, and you move through it and you go with the character. And I thought like, how cool or different would it be to like, like I, I wanted, I wanted to do a story that's kind of like oceans 11 in terms of like, it's time to get the team back together and is, is, is different or as like, you know, as sweeping as cowboy necromancer can be, that's really what the basis of the story was like, it's time to get the team back together. Let's try it. Let's try it one more time. Mm -hmm. And so for that to happen, I, I I had to have, you know, the reset happened five years ago. They tried something three years ago. It didn't work. And now it's just been like, now I've been just living out here in retirement. Another thing that inspired me is, um, the, uh, the, um, the Marvel series, um, Old Man Logan, because uh, a lot of the um, the visuals of like Killbillies and attacking um, yeah. him on his farm came from that, right? Okay. And so I, I thought, like, how cool would it be if it's like, yeah, he's been just kind of in, not in hiding, but just like, he's just going to live out his life, and they've, they've kind of forced his hand. And now it's like, now I got to get everyone back together. Damn it. And I think this is one of the my a pacing issue that I don't like, but I also really like about the first book. I don't like it because it's like, it takes a while for it to like really build up. And once it builds up though, you see why all this is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I, and I don't like it though, because I think like people like, it's like, you know, the first part is just him basically trying to figure out what's going on and go find Don Gasper. And, and, and I mean, toward the end of the first part, he's finally like getting messed up with Don Gas or Don Gasper is getting messed up. And, um, he's finally figuring out where the sunflower kid is. And so I, some people's expectations was like, he would have all this solved in the first book. And I'm like, how, like, it's so much to solve. Like if you want like the full sweeping story, like, you know, it's so much to solve for him to like actually pull it all off. Right. Where the second book kind of, it follows that in a different way, but it's, it's more, he's, he gets the group They're They're now moving together and now they're understanding their roles together, including Zephyr. Um, like who's just mentioned, you know, like she's just mostly mentioned in the first book. Like, well, there was the Aeromancer, you know, she was part of us. She was with the Sunflower Kid, like all that stuff. So the long story short, the reason I did that is so it was different. And so it also gives Sterling something to um, refer back to. And it also, um, no spoilers at all, but at the end of the second book, it will all make more sense. 
when it all comes together in a way that like uh, people that have read it are floored by what actually happens. And it'll make sense as to why having that space was necessary. Well, you, you'll you'll get a tweet from either Joel or myself on the Stats on Stats Twitter when we finish it and be like, oh, oh, shit, that's yeah. what you meant. Uh, yeah. What sold me on the book originally was, uh, one, I love necromancers. Necromancers are yeah. probably one of my favorite classes. Between necromancers and paladins, those are like my go-to. Those are fun. Um, but in the description when it said, for fans of Red Dead Redemption, Old Man Logan, and The Dark Tower. I love the Dark yeah. Tower. I'm a Dark Tower stan. I think it's Stephen King's best series. Very cool. So that's what sold me on that. And I was like, all right, we're doing it. Like, Red Dead Redemption, yeah, that's cool. I, I played the games. I like them. Old Man that Logan. Was like the aiming side of it. In, in, yeah. You know, I, when, I, when I do that, and I, don't, I always don't know if like people like that, because like some authors will be like, oh, that cheapens your work. I kind of like to like say, like, okay, it, it's inspired by this book, inspired by this game, inspired by this comic, and then inspired by this anime. Like, I try to pick, like, four. So, like, you know, like, Pilgrim is, like, Witcher meets um, uh, John Wick meets Inuasha meets uh, Preacher. You know, like that's a perfect combination pick, right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I've been, I've tried to do that with my things. And I don't know, some people think, it, I, I feel like they think it cheapens it. I think it like helps the reader know exactly what they're getting into. You know, because if you read that and then you still were like, well, I don't want to read about a necromancer or, or I don't like any of these things, then be like, <laughs> okay, this isn't for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, Zeckler did just ask in the chat though, according to you, what is the most powerful answer? Or do they all kind of have their checks and balances? Uh, uh, the, probably the biomancer. Sunflower. I'd have to look at my list. There's 12, there's, uh, there's 12 mancers. Again, I, I, I closed the door and I opened it back up again, but yeah. Um, biomancer is, is pretty freaking strong. Well, well I really I, like the, the play between her and Sterling cause one's a necro, one's a bio. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like a yin yang. Which that's a comment that she makes. She goes, we're kind of like our own little yin yang, but yeah. I do have one last comment to make and then I'll let Joel make a comment because i feel like i've just been <laughs> rambling most of this episode um no, when <laughs> when they went into where the sunflower kids being held and the uh the jesus freak uh chick that <laughs> was the telemancer um that whole scene all i could think of was columbia and bioshock infinite and okay. i could just picture uh comstock just being up there like oh the the false lamb all this i was like ah, crap we're reliving this me on that too was um far cry uh new dawn i think is that is that the one far cry five like, and then new dawn is yeah, yeah. the sequel to five yeah. five is that inspired me on that a little bit um because I, I i think i was playing that at the time and i'm like i really wanted like this like almost like swirling setting like it's like intoxicating and it's like it's it's pretty rough to get in there um yeah those i think the there and also what's cool about the second book though too is like there are other necromancers and that's Ooh. i've kind of been able to hold back like other mancers right you know because it's like he encounters some that are like stock mancers like pyromancer or whatever and but there are like some out there that are like pretty fucked up and like i really <laughs> wanted him to to because he's a bad necromancer like he's not a good one i get that like he's not like you know uh, Travis Bagwell's necromancer who's like summoning all these like hordes of people to like do like he's like not he doesn't think like that and like I didn't want to force it onto him because I wanted to like give a guy who has no interest in that this power so he kind of uses it to like help himself he does it he does it more and more like cooler things in the second book as he levels and as he like um, 
uh, under, tries to utilize his power in different ways, but mm-hmm. I did never pictured him as one who's like having like you know undead serving him food and shit like that. Yeah, you know, which is cool because that can get a little. It can go dark very quick. <laughs> That's yeah, why I, I like the necromancers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one thing uh, that like Sterling like does is he focuses on the talent points instead of like oh i want to have like a huge mana pool he's like Uh, no i want to have a bunch of different talents and he's (laughs) like i want to be an assassin and i want to like be a shooter like ranger and like i want (laughs) to like nothing that would actually like a normal (laughs) necromancer would be doing but he's just like it's like yeah, he's it's, never played a, a video game it's, because it's, it's, he's like it is that way. It, he really trying has to multi-class and everything. Yeah, and like, do, and like he kind of does continues that in a smarter way in the second book, but he doesn't ever get it right. Oh, I mean, man, he's I'm just so kind excited. of like he kind of like uses it at this point. Like they actually, I, I uh, in the second book I introduce a way for the, for him to level more quickly. So it's kind of like farming. There are like settlements that have farming using uh, uh, technomancers and biomancers to like keep respawning an amalgamation so you can just keep killing it. And so like, you know how like, you know how gamers are, man, they'll, they'll farm anything. Like you can <laughs> like, and so I thought like, how, how cool would it be if like they had like, uh, like Sterling was able to get like 10 levels quickly because he like took advantage of like some farming and then it gives me more that I can reward him with, and then he can change cl- uh, like the class structure and everything. But you're right; he doesn't know what he's doing, and he's kind of just like scrolling <laughs> through the buy store, like, you know, that looks good enough, you know. <laughs> Dude, I kind of. I'm glad like... you picked up on that because I don't think yeah, anyone no. picked up on that. People think no, that I... I'm just an idiot, and I'm like, no, there's like a... <laughs> there, there's there's a there's a tone for this. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm glad uh... you picked up on that. Joel, any last comments on? Uh... Our boy Sterling, the uh, the cowboy necromancer, or the skeleton uh, man, as the playlist calls him. Wanted, one thing I also wanted to draw attention to was uh, the haikus in uh, cowboy necromancer, and then the like uh, poetry sort of in feedback loop. Uh, it, it seems I know that that's a common literary device to uh set the tone for like whatever chapter you're going to but i i just find that really interesting like you uh do you like make up like these poetry and like uh yeah like how i conceptualize it the yeah well so spoiler alert not for anything but i actually came into writing wanting to write literary fiction and so the early things that I wrote were literary fiction or that I was trying to do that track, like get published in literary journals. And, and, and the thing was, it never really like worked out for me in that way. And um, uh, but I, I like writing in that style. And so what I do, at least for Cowboy Necromancer, what I do is I write those haiku by uh, by hand. Mm-hmm. Like I go, you know, like I'll, I'll write them in the Southwest or something. So they're not even in the same tone as the book. So it's not like me sitting at my computer trying to like count syllables. Like um, I, I try to like write them. I, w- I want it to feel like it's actually in his journal. And he's kind of like, he's not the smartest guy, but there is like an intellectual side of him that he's kind of progressed because 
you have to think about him always and that after five years he's not had there's no television there's no internet so it's kind of like people have to entertain themselves in ways that people used to entertain themselves right mm -hmm. and how did people used to entertain themselves like well through things like plays and then um reading was one way and he can still read so like you you you've lost your memory but there's all these books of the past and stuff and so the there's a meaning behind all that so he's kind of like he kind of has like this this not bad haiku writing skill even though he's also like has a doesn't have like the best like um speaking style you know or he's not like like poetic when he's just talking you know he kind of has an accent he has all that but when he's on paper and it's just him like i wanted to cap encapsulate that with quantum i wanted to encapsulate this um kind of like it's depressing, man. It's like he's been stuck there for a while and he's trying to entertain himself, you mm -hmm. know, like, and, and dude, hell yeah, you can go around. It's like Groundhog Day. You can just go around and, you know, do whatever the hell you want. And that's really cool. But like after 300 days of that, like you get, that's a year, like in Ugh. terms of, you know, and it's actually eight years or well, that's four years in terms of the, the world. But like, I think like he kind of gets into these like kind of um, melancholic spells is what I would say. And so some of the more poetic parts of the loop are him. He's kind of like fallen into that. But it's something I'll, 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 I'll I kind of do some of that in War Priest, utilizing um, other uh, each chapter of War Priest starts with like a treaty or something that's written by a master in the past or something like that. And so that allows me to do that. So maybe it's a little bit of my style to be able to mix that in with genre fiction. But Tokens and Towers has none of that. It's <laughs> and I that is that is the perfect way to, uh, you know, segue in to our next topic, which uh, will be our final topic before we get to the wrap up and everything, which is uh, Tokens and Towers, which is a very unique um, project because that's what originally you had messaged me about. And I remember uh, getting to kind of tune in to your Facebook live during WhatCon 2021 and just listening to like what or how you were doing tokens and towers and the project behind it was really cool. It was really interesting. Yeah. And I've been trying to like wanting to like chip in to do what I can for it and everything. But car troubles, all this other stuff, it's just been a oh, I nightmare. Did, but I have been reading it on uh, Royal Road. I'm on chapter, I think, five or six right now because oh, I didn't geez. even I didn't even know it was on Royal Road until I looked into the discord. I was like, oh, oh, crap, it's on Royal Road. I can read it now. So I, I, tuned, yeah. I tuned in and I please rate and review people if you read it. I already I'm have to get steam right now. Okay. I, I already have. <laughs> I, I, put, I gave it a five star because it deserves it because I've like even from just the prologue, I was laughing and I knew I was going to yeah. have a good time just because I've had a good time with all of your books so far. I was like, oh, and the first chapter's title. I love it. I <laughs> yeah, absolutely I, I love it here so I can tell the people because some of the titles are some of the funniest titles I've ever had. Uh, I'll just read a few of like the first chapters, the gnomes must die. Um, <laughs> some of the ones later on in the book are, are Clovis and the mad lad get their asses kicked by hematropic butterflies. That's chapter 12. <laughs> That's uh, my favorite level is, shit right there. My favorite is chapter 13. Uh, one of them is because it's, it's the chapter in which we battle the giant ogre on the cover of the book. Like it's very, very meta, which is really to me is like super funny. Um, let me. There's a. There's. Uh, and I just love yeah. that. Like when he picks his race, he's just like um, human, and she's like, "Oh yeah, humans your race. You cannot change it now." And he's like, "Wait, what?" 
<laughs> um, chapter 24 is, I'm not even going to just try to describe what happens in this chapter. Oh, shit. It's like chapter... <laughs> How many uh, uh, chapters are up on Royal Road? Um, right now, it should be up. I just posted uh, chapter... Let me check. I think it's chapter 14. Yeah, ch chapter 14, I think, went up today, which is flashback to Viagra Falls. Um, so there you go. Uh, but uh, in terms of writing, I'm actually on chapter 30. Um, I'm actually about to finish the first volume. Um, like so, chapter 28 is fighting murder hornets isn't what it used to be. Like it's just the chapters are. <laughs> so how many uh, chapters are going to be like, I guess, what would you say the, the cutoff for the first book would be? And then when yeah, we can expect I think that be about 40 ish chapters it's kind of up to man it's up to readers like on this one because like i i have my books that are like people are reading and like mm -hmm. everything's going well with those this is kind of like for me to do something that like i know like that genre readers right it has so many freaking genre references everything from like making a pun and saying well you know i'm not dakota kraut to like deeper <laughs> deeper deeper cuts like um like now in the final version of uh when he names axel Ro his axe axel rose right he names it axel rose now in the final version he also says like because the name frank was already taken you know from oh. yeah oh. like there, it's so, there's so frank many the axe cuts. There's so many deep cuts. I'm like, and and so I'm I'm hoping that like I don't know how Royal Roads is gonna perceive it because a lot of the stuff that it references are stuff that aren't on Royal Roads. It's on Kindle. It's you know what I'm saying. So it may not perceive perceive it well there. But what my idea is is when I do release it to have the second and into the third book already online publishing. Right. Okay. Which you've seen before with people. Um, that's a common thing. So if, you know, if it doesn't like seem to like take a swelling on Royal roads, I'm not going to get my hope, you know, let it get me down because I, I already have like a group of readers on Amazon who will just, they're just wait till it comes on Amazon. Right. Yeah. Or, or, or audio. And so like, if it's, if it doesn't pick up the steam that I'd like it to, then in April I would publish, um, ebook audiobook print all at the same time and then i'd follow up with the second book in like july so it's going to be on like a three-month release schedule okay um, for a while um and so the premise is there's this writer who is down on his luck and he's spent the last money he had on some terrible shit coin named Harmon tokens which that actually exists now which is so funny um and he's portaled to this fantasy world and he's told to climb the tower and it's it's hard to tell from the beginning because you know especially on chapter five or six, the tower is it is really interesting. It's seven realms and each realm has different floors. Every floor is different. So, mm -hmm. what I've done with the feedback loop and fantasy online and the Proxima Galaxy and Monster Hunt NYC, it's like that but condensed. So it's like the first floor is one thing completely. So there can be literally be a cyberpunk floor. There can literally mm. be a floor in which they are children, like him. The the main the character main characters are the writer and then the spell book. And, the, and they're at a 20-plus age difference, right? The spell book, it, give them a moment for people who are just getting to Chapter 5. It will make so much more sense once you understand their relationship. But the spell book actually knows who the writer is, surprisingly, but he only knows, like, his shitty pen name, which is Angel Farts. And um, <laughs> the spell book is, he's, he's terrible. He's kind of lazy, he's kind of, but he's actually, like, a really the most powerful character in the game for sure. At okay. least at this moment, he is so powerful. 
And so at some point, um, a lot of the relationship between the two becomes they kind of complement each other because the spellbook believes in him in different ways. And he believes in the spellbook who's kind of kind of been bullied. He's not really bullied, but he kind of has that vibe. He could be slightly on the spectrum. Um, he's very like he's just different than um, and he doesn't really know how to play. the. And the reason he's a spellbook, which is not really a spoiler, is because when he was asked like to pick a race, he was thinking of near automata. And like the near series, and he was like thinking of uh, Grimmar Vice, and he's like, "Oh yeah, a, a spell book." And so now he's like a human who's stuck in the form of this spell book, who doesn't know how to use his own magic, and and so a lot of it's like them picking it up. And then once we get to the tower, it introduces all these characters because these characters are what are known as ascendants, and ascendants are the people who are supposed to climb this tower, right? Yeah. And um, I actually had some of my fans flesh out some of these ascendants because like they're when they get to the tower, there's a thousand. And I'm like, that's a lot of people for me to, I can't create a thousand people, but I put them in pods of 50. Right. And so, um, there's like the, you met one of them already. If you read chapter four, the dark elf who kind of like does him dirty and leaves him in the yeah. quicksand. That's one of them. Um, okay. there's, they're all, they're all different types and they start ending up having to team together, scheme against each other. Sometimes like work in tangent, even though they have different goals and things like that. And so it creates like this really cool, like collection of characters of people who selected just whatever fantasy character that you wanted to be. So there's like one of my fans came up with a, dry, a dryad vampire. There's like a, a halfling rogue who's named Bobby Badfingers. There's all these really cool characters who interact with Clovis, the book and Randy, um, the writer as they go, sometimes screw them over, sometimes work together as they're going through each floor, and each floor is completely different. So the the coolest floor in the first realm, because the first book only covers the tutorial in the first realm, which mm -hmm. is kind of like a tutorial as well for the future, is Hamsterdam. And the reason Hamsterdam <laughs> is the coolest floor is it's an entire city of bipedal hamsters. And they to, to pass this floor, they have to do enough... Um, side quests to get tokens to pass the floor, right? And, of course, Randy's trying to scheme it up. There's all these freaking hamsters around going around in wheels. The hamsters are all, like, sipping on hamster juice, and so they're, like, kind of cracked up, and, like, they're like, yeah, you know? And so it's... And, and because the hamsters naturally have bad vision, they... Randy has to disguise himself as a hamster, so he wears like an actual hamster hat. And Clovis doesn't because he's just a spell book, so no one cares. So he's just like going around with this axe and a hamster hat. And so the second book cover, I'm gonna straight up have him in this hamster hat. And it's gonna be funny because I, I had my artist, um, my artist did a version of him, and it's it's brilliant. I need to I, see I this. Actually, I actually have the designs for it here. I I like asked my wife to like um, <laughs> some. <laughs> so that's what the hamster oh hat kind of looks like. Yes. The, I drew these faces, but like I was like, I kind of need like a hamster hat, and so oh my god, I love it. Did, yeah, so he has to wear this, and so it's so it's so crazy. And then one of the things that's kind of cool on the fan side is in the Discord, I've been asking, give me cool loot, give me whatever you want, right? And and uh, and it doesn't have to be helpful. So you know, like some of the fans, someone had suggested sneezing powder, so they get sneezing Ooh. powder. So they have like all this like kind of cool, kind of useless stuff. Like sometimes it's like a potion of invulnerability. Yeah, that's awesome, right? But then sometimes it's like a paper talisman. And it's like, what the hell am I supposed to do with a paper talisman? Why is this loot that I need, right? <laughs> so um, I've been trying to create, make that really interactive. And I think going forward, once it's out on Kindle, once more people can read it, they'll be able to see that, that that's part of it. Because um, you can literally help or hinder Randy and Clovis in the journey by 
by just like I just ask like and I look for like the most interesting thing like oh that sounds really ridiculous you know I'll I'll give him that um, okay that's, so that's 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 pretty cool actually <laughs> but the vibe the final the final saying the vibe is, hu- is is humorous lit RPG tower climber that's it and so um if if you've read any of my old stuff like fantasy online it mm-hmm. kind of like that like feedback loop it has those vibes we um I I wanted to do something about a writer again that isn't Cherry Blossom Girls, not because it's just because Cherry Blossom Girls has a limited reach because of the harem aspect to it. Yeah. And I really like writing that that first person like kind of funny, kind of nerdy, kind of ridiculous voice. So it's like that, but leveled up meets quantum because Randy can get he can like he he becomes I mean he becomes a barbarian. So he's pretty like berserker, pretty like going through and just cutting everything down with his axe. And so it does have that vibe. I, I'm anxious to see what my like reader readers think of it, but I'm hoping to build a big, little bit bigger audience um, by doing it this way and doing all this weird stuff with it. We'll see. Well, this is the first time, or well, I think second time actually, because uh, uh, Jonathan Schmidt, I've been reading uh, one of his mm-hmm. books on Royal Road uh, because he was telling me about it because it was around the time uh, Shin Megami Tensei Five came out. He was like, oh, check out this one. If you like that, you'll yeah. like it. I was like, okay. It's so I've... Former. Correct. Uh, there's Dungeon Core Online, uh, but this one's called okay. DED. Oh, okay. <clears throat> and it's uh, he recommended I've read a few chapters of it. I was like, oh, this is really good. And then when I saw Tokens and Towers was on, I was like, you know, I'll just look up Harmon Cooper really quickly. And I saw it was on there. I was like, all right, yep, got to dive into this because I'm going to have a yeah. blast with this. Fun, man. So yeah, uh, he's doing cool stuff. I'm, I'm glad that he's doing. Uh, yeah, I'm glad that he's he's. It's it's kind of a weird, different audience on Royal Road. So, mm-hmm. and he's actually um, our first guest of next year. Okay, perfect. So, what else do you have on next year? Uh, so we haven't really. We've done. I'll pretty much give the calendar at the end of the uh, episode. Okay, cool. But we 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 have a pretty much we're booked all the way up until the end of uh, February, <laughs> and we do this every other week. So like I think that's like five or six shows already that I have booked. I'm like, oh, good wow. god. Oh, that's oh. awesome. And Joel and I have like a lot of things in the work between that time. Like our That's New cool. Year's stream is going to be, oh, it's going to be intense. <laughs> That's so, very cool. Man. Um, so, yeah, Tokens and Towers is fantastic. Joel, have you read any of Tokens and Towers on Royal Road? I've read the first chapter. The, there's, a might, prologue, the, there's a prologue. I read the, the prologue. Book. I'm I'm really debating on the prologue because like I'm like I I've been back and forth like should I do a prologue should I not but I'm like it really kind of sets the tone and it, it was good like it fits oh man I've been like I've like is it too fucking crazy you know and so I asked all my like beta readers and stuff I'm like what do you guys think and they're like no 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 this has to stay and I'm yeah. like maybe yeah. it's just you know even even at you know I've published fifty or sixty books or you still get like imposter syndrome you still are like. Is this good? But I love the first line so much. Like this book isn't for everyone, but if you made it this far, it's probably for you. I just, I just <laughs> love this line so much. And then it goes it's into like, like did I already botch that? Did I use that too early? Like I was yeah, like, no, yeah. <laughs> that that sets the tone perfectly. So as someone who is just some you know random guy on the internet that does a podcast, not really a review show, we just like to, it's we yeah, consider yeah. it more of a book club podcast. That's very cool. I love it. I love it. Okay, it cool. fits. It fits the tone perfectly. Okay. And if you can make it past that first line, you're good. You're you're yeah, set. The funniest part is like, and it's gonna happen. In the, it's not even a spoiler. It, like I originally had two prologues, so it did that. It did what you read in the first one, and then it's like, 
prologue two. I'm going to try this again. And like, and it was like, it was this whole thing. And I'm like, no, I shouldn't hit him with this. So I think the second book, I'm going to have two prologues. So each book is going to add a prologue. Oh, perfect. Like of him correcting the, the you know, the previous perfect. one. I mean, well, I, I think um, uh, uh, Matt Dineman does something like that with epilogues or something that he's done like really funny things with epilogues. The stuff he writes for Jeff Hayes is perfect. I yeah, just yeah. want to, I want to throw that out there that like. Dude, he's great. Oh my god, I I love the like commercials, the commercials, the and Dude, what he has to have. Uh, Fantasy when he Online ha has that. Fantasy Online has that, and Jeff's commercial reads are so funny because he has a. There's a Twitch tube streamer as as part of the guild, so he always has to turn and like do like a an ad. He's like, "Hello, hello, hello," you know, like. <laughs> and Jeff does that so well. And I, I just want to lie. I definitely cried. I laughed so hard at uh, the feed or. Uh, Dungeon Crawler Carl one, yeah, Dungeon Crawler for Carl. book three. Yeah, yeah I finished I book did. three of Dungeon Crawler Carl, and I was at work, and I was actually getting certified, so my manager was there oh, with geez. me, and she was doing a work with that day. And Joel had told me, and I was like getting close to the end. I was like, "All right, Danny, here's what you need to know. I got a book <laughs> going." And she goes, "Yeah, you listen to your books at work. Like, I, I don't care." I was like, "No, I need you to listen to me." Joel told <laughs> me, "I'm going to be crying. I'm laughing so hard," and she it's goes. Crazy. Are you going to need him? And I said, I don't know. And I got to the commercial. I was like, oh, oh, no. I was trying to hold it in. And I was it's in the middle of a story. I was like, all right, these people are going to look at me like I'm crazy. And I just I, I broke down. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> I bet, man. And that's great. Oh, no, you've got me like that, too. Specifically oh, with Jeff. Anytime. And I told you this earlier when I was messaging you. Anytime Quantum has to deal with his CDC health agent. Yeah. Hi, Mr. Oh. Hughes. <laughs> I was just like, oh, oh my God. Yeah, yeah. One, three, five. Oh, here's the funny part about that. His number, one, three, five, one, eight, eight, five. Because it's always like, blah, 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 agent, yeah. one, three, five, one, eight, eight, five. That was my, I was a Starbucks employee for like five years. That was my Starbucks <laughs> number. So you could have logged into the computer with that number. But I, um, yeah, that's uh. That's one reason I picked Daniel, though. Because like, um, for Tokens of Towers, is because like, I was like, um, I know that like, Jeff, but Jeff and them are pretty busy. I know that they could do this. And I want, I want to, like, I listened to some of Daniel's stuff, uh, Daniel Wisniewski. And I was like, oh, if I didn't announce it on the live, Daniel Wisniewski and Rebecca Wood are doing tokens and towers. And I'd listened to it. Great combo. And, yeah. Great and I was combo. like, man, and he did, he did my um, pin name series, Moonstalt. And so I was like, I think that this guy could do it. So I sent him some um, demos of him reading as Randy and Clovis. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, dude. Oh my God. Like his reading as Randy is great, but Clovis is like, it's, it's so perfect. And I, I I've listened, I've listened to a few of Daniel's uh, stuff. Uh, most recently uh, with them as the combo, I did uh, David Burke's uh, gladiator mm -hmm. workout for hire. Um, they killed it. They absolutely yeah. killed it. Cause, and I like the do um, I like multicasts and I like duos uh, for the narrations a lot of the times yeah. that's why I'm I'm a sucker for sound booth audio. If you put Have you done Monster Hunt 2 yet? Man, that's it's a whole Which one? Monster Hunt NYC 2? Uh no, not I yet. I do the have the one. I do have the sound booth app. Um I did read the first one uh, and I'm excited to get the second one. I was going to pick it up yeah. during the um the big sale for sound booth audio had for, uh, for Halloween. It'll be on audible next year too. We're, we're okay. actually putting it up, on audible, but it'll be for credit. Um, though I think the way we have it structured is the first one's like audio, uh, audible plus. So it's free. Yeah. That's how I listen to it. Second, that's and yeah, I, and the I, second one. Like you use a credit and I, I mainly listen to it. Cause I was like, Oh, it's Harmon Cooper and Jeff Hayes. Of course I'm going to listen to this. This is a great Andy. combo. 
And Annie I, is so I, good. I love Annie so much. She's and, my favorite. And like Joel, I, I was talking to Joel about this. Um, anytime, like if I see Jeff Hayes or Annie Ellicott or Catherine Winkle or Justin Thomas James attached to a project, Justin is I, I'm going in. I, I listened yeah. to uh, Simon Archer's uh, super series, which is super harem, super yeah. X rated. I was like, whoo, not what I was ready for, <laughs> but I'm going to oh, finish the series. So I finished it, <laughs> but no, any, I, I went on a full kick where I was just listening to nothing but Jeff Hayes. I went on a full kick yeah. where I was listening to Justin Thomas James and like just the sound booth theater team. I'm pretty sure half of my library alone on audible is Sabbath theater. And I, I, you know, we're going to get these things out. We got to get monster hunt three out. We have to get the feedback loop stuff, but I do want to do something new with them because I know I'm not, I I listen to, I I don't listen to audio as much Mm -hmm. because I I don't really have like, the only time I could listen to it is maybe if I'm working out and I prefer to listen to music for that because it pumps me up. Yeah. But like, I know how much they deliver my stuff. Like, I know that it's like, it's like when you combine the two together, it's like, it, it works. You know? And as I said earlier in the episode or um, on the episode today, you for everything that I've listened for your work, everyone's done justice. There's not been a single bad performance or single bad writing style. It's the perfect pair for what what's being delivered. And it just it fits so damn that's well. So good, man. That's so good, because this is all like, you know, a lot of this is all an experiment. And that's mm-hmm. the for uh, your remarks from me that's kind of what the feedback loop was like i wrote the feedback loop not even knowing i there was not game lit there was not lit rpg there was lit rpg in russia but there wasn't we weren't using it here like mm-hmm. look at the publication date on the first book and it's march 2015 i had watched sword art online i really liked groundhog day i read ham on rye which is by charles bukowski which is where i picked up quantum's voice and i really liked like the noir feel of sin city and i was just like oh I guess I'll just put all this together. And so, um, you know, that's the beauty of like finding like the right person. And and actually I can't even believe I have an audience of people that just like allow me to do this, you know? So I'm, I mean, I'm so glad that you guys have checked out my stuff. I'm so glad for like the the watchers and listeners, um, for, for the, in the future people who come back and like hear me ramble on about the research for cowboy necromancer, because (laughs) like, it's all crazy to me that this is actually what I get to do. And I, I'm just so grateful for it. And, that's and now that i know what i'm doing though i want to do it a little bit better so that's kind of why i'm re- relaunching the feedback because like i know now it is a portal fantasy you know i know i know these things now at the time i didn't i honestly didn't know i just was like this would be really cool it's it's awesome you know that's 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 the and and that's that's why joel and i started this uh the show we were just like you know what we we want to reach out to authors we, we want to talk to them uh same with yeah. audiobook narrators and like, we don't want it to be like a review. Uh, that, yeah. We kind of started the channel out as a review and uh, we do have plans for uh, stats on stats where we're going to do like deep dives where we can discuss our theories and stuff like that, that we can't really do with authors because we don't want them to give away like, you know, hey, oh, yeah. this is what's going to happen or no, I can't comment on that and kind of all that stuff. Yeah. So that's why we, we started doing it in this format a little later on is just because it's so cool. And I like, there's the lit RPG podcast that uh, Raymond does and he does a killer job on it, but his is yeah, more sure. st- structured on the review aspect. And yeah, I, sure. I listened to that um, 
quite a, quite often I need to catch up. I've been slacking on my podcast because I've just been in my audiobook stuff. I get it, man. And that's why I like doing this podcast. I, I love being yeah. able to just, you know, reach out and also bring light to lit RPG because even though we do have a community, there's, you know, multiple groups on Facebook. There's multiple so many people like, that don't know what it is. Yeah. And anytime just someone, started, I mean, I was at a conference in, in like, there were people that are just now like, oh, so that's lit RPG. Mm-hmm. And you're like, this is a writer's conference. So like, you guys should probably know considering that, like we're in your categories. Yeah. You know, so if yeah. they don't know, and it's, it's crazy though, because people make their whole livings and their livelihoods like me doing this. And yet like most of my, 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 my real world friends would have never even known what lit RPG is. Right. And I'm like, all right, well, that's fine. You don't have to, but I'm, I want to tell you. And I, I, I preach lit RPG. I'm like, Hey, Check out Lit RPG. I'm pretty sure, like, the actual penultimate Conquest crew is just like, oh, my God, he's talking about books again. Like, Jesus. Like, <laughs> will this guy ever shut up? I'm like, hey, you guys have your sticks. You have your video games and your movies and yeah. your stuff. I, I have Lit RPG. That, that is my brand right there. That <laughs> and my horrible takes. Grow. It's going to grow. Yeah. Uh, it's go- you know, be- people, I mean, I'll put it to you like this, because... There's writers that have been saying since like 2018, 2019, like, oh man, this is just a fad. It's not going to, mm-hmm. no one's going to, and it's like, it, dude, are video games a fad? Like basically all the only requirement you have to, to understand lit RPG is have to have played a video game. Yeah. Like you, you, there's so many lit RPG readers that aren't even like that become fantasy esque readers after like now they go back and they like, oh, okay, I guess I'll read that. Or, or oh, this is a classic. I should read it. Mm-hmm. They just started with lit RPG. And so if, if you have a genre like that, then like it's only going to grow because like the, the barrier to entry is, is, isn't very difficult. It's like, dude, if you've played Assassin's Creed, you understand every single lit RPG. Like, yeah, pretty it's, quickly. And that's, yeah. I, and that's going to be a topic for one of our later episodes. It's going to be a really fun one. Awesome. But, um, yeah. No, I was uh, someone like I retweeted some something about one of the books that was out. And I was like, oh, this is a really good book. Go. You should definitely go check it out. And someone had uh, that follows me on Twitter comment. They're like, what exactly is Lit RPG? Because I've been, you know, seeing it around. I was like, just think of it as, you know, a fantasy book where the main character will deal with video game like mechanics, quest prompts, stuff like that. Um, just don't think of it as a choose your own adventure. And they're like, oh, so like an old 80s uh, computer, you know, text game. And I was like, yeah, oh, kind of like that a little bit, but more think of along the lines of SAO, uh, Rising of the Shield Hero, where you have the isekai stuff and then you have also the just the mechanics of a video game. You're going to have your leveling up system. You're going to have your quest prompts, all this other stuff. It's so good and i just i i have trouble going back to regular fantasy now and like even like with cultivation and stuff like that i'm like i just i want the stats i want the crunch but i also really want that emotional turmoil that you can get in fantasy but i get a little bit more of it in uh lit rpg and i'm like that's 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 my like addiction right there i get it man yeah my my pitch is basically just all right, so you watch anime, you watch SAO. It's pretty much that, but more. More mechanics, more character yeah. development, more just amazing worlds that we will we can't uh visit in video games right now. Yeah. So 
So that's the cool thing. I think I think I, we're going to be seeing over the next decade, like what, what lit RPG grows into, and you know, like James, you were talking about James A. Hunter at at the the conference. Um, he they did a lit RPG talk, and it's like you know he said something basically like anyone who's like already published in, uh, or has been publishing lit RPG for a couple of years now, and there was a couple of us there. It's like we're already veterans at it, and like it's a genre that's not even like reached its full potential yet, which is kind of cool. Right. And I, I also like that it's not a genre that can be easily exploited. Um, like the harem genre has been is, is easily exploitable by like people like oh, we're going to get like I'm going to get a writing team together and we're going to publish a book every week. And and, you know, like that's a thing that's doable in that market. But it's it's harder with lit RPG because it's like, no, the stats and all that that stuff has to it has to add up. It's not something that you could like farm out to like a ghostwriter very mm -hmm. easily. Like they have to get it, you know. Um, and it's just bigger because it taps into fantasy. It taps into sci-fi. It taps into cyberpunk. It taps into everything. It taps into steampunk. Taps into cultivation. I mean, like, I still think it's kind of crazy that I can advertise like cultivation books on lit RPG groups. But it's like all. It's very, especially what I write when in terms of like progression, like the Pilgrim books start to make. Like, it, it. The only thing it's missing really is the stat part. And yeah. I, I've been in deep conversations with a couple of my friends that I've met through the community and Joel as well, where cultivation game lit and like all those others are just now cousins with lit RPG because they can yeah, all yeah. be incorporated. They're all, you know, within the same genre of everything, because even yeah. with cultivation and stuff, you have that progression system. You have like me, leveling up your core or whatever. And I mean, Great the best one of the like the best ones yeah. to look at are, you know, oh, Dungeon Court as well. Like if we look at Divine Dungeon or we look at Cradle or any of the others, there's some sort of a progression system, even in uh, Bryce O'Connor's uh, Mark, uh, the Shattered Rain series, uh, Market Kings and the Blood of Kings. Mm -hmm. There's there's a form of progression in that. So I, I'm like. I love talking about it. And I mean, I have my arcane Ascension poster behind me Saw that, that yeah. Joel got me at dragon con. Uh, I love Andrew Rowe and the third book for weapons and wielders just dropped uh, two weeks ago. And I posted about it in the lit RPG group. I was like, guys, I know it's not lit RPG, but it's here. I'm ready. I've been waiting for this one. And people are like, yeah, we love this series. And I was like, I know yeah, everyone I, does. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. like it's, it's enough to where it's been incorporated into the game lit series. It's incorporated enough to where, you know, lit RPG, dungeon core game, lit, all this other stuff can be together in one big genre. And that's what I love. I feel like they're just all subsections of the fantasy genre. Genre love. Well, let's go out on genre love. Cause that's yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's amazing. And you know, like I just rambled for a quick minute there. So <laughs> we'll go ahead and we'll start our wrapping up because we, we've, we had a pretty good episode today. So we're going to, so nice to you, dudes. <laughs> we're going to go into our plugs um, and I'll start with Joel, work our way around. Joel, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Sir Valor Hunter. It's on the thingy. Uh, you can also find me on Twitch, uh, maybe uh, once in a good while. Uh, also at Sir Valor Hunter. Uh, yeah. And stats on stats. <laughs> And Harmon, uh, where can people find you? So, um, easiest place to do, go is uh, harmoncooper.com. You can, I, I am everywhere, so, sometimes to my own detriment. 
Um, <laughs> uh, so I'm on Facebook. Obviously, I have a Proxima Galaxy Facebook group um, that's about 1,700 members strong. Um, I'm on uh, uh, Instagram as well, and I try to post there. I'm on Twitter, at Harmon Cooper. You can basically, though, if you go to HarmonCooper.com, there's a link tree, and you can go from there. And there's also a link to um, the Railroads page for Tokens and Towers okay. and all my books. Um, and what's whatever's most recent, which would be um, uh, Pilgrim 4. And the audio for that, uh, if you're curious about that, will be coming out in February. So it's coming out pretty quickly with the fifth book. Actually, the fifth book comes out in February as well. Oh, God, so, I can't wait. Yeah, I'm excited about it all. And it's so nice to be here. And um, thank you guys so much for having me. Hey, we're glad you were like able to join us for this. <laughs> uh, I, this was an episode I was really excited about because uh, we had a killer lineup for just our last few shows of the year. Oh, so... Uh, but for myself, you can always find me at Rich Dolphus on uh, Twitter. I did just change my Twitch over to uh, Stats on Stats because after our next episode, Stats on Stats will be separating from Penultimate Conquest. Um, I personally will not be leaving Pen. I will still be a part of the Penultimate Conquest. Uh, but we're just taking Stats on Stats, kind of doing our own thing with it because um, we're just going to be doing a little bit more. And with how busy our channel is already for Penultimate Conquest, it was just a little easier to migrate out a little bit. So, um, yeah, you can find us at Stats on Stats on Twitch, where Joel and I will be doing streams and also the live shows from now on after our next episode on the 19th. So starting out at the first of the year, uh, you can find us at Twitter at Stats on Stats Lit. And I handle all the social media stuff. So if you get a message from Stats on Stats, it's most likely me. Very rarely will it be Joel. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I am active on social media, but you Rich is proactive on social media. I, I, I will like stuff and comment and be like, yes, I agree with this. But Rich is going to be posting everything. Here is what I'm reading, blah, blah, blah uh yeah so uh just stuff to look forward to for uh stats on stats uh our level one finale because i did take a vote on twitter and i was like hey what do we want to refer to next season of stats on stats do we want to do you know stats on stats book two level two chapter two like what do we want to do and people were like level two it's video game related we're gonna go level two i was like all right so level two it is so the level one finale will be um, two weeks from today on the 19th of December, and we are going to have the man himself, Alaron Kong, on the episode to talk about the land and God's Eye. We're really excited about that because that was Joel and I's both introduction into uh, the lit RPG genre. Uh, to start out the year, we're going to have uh, Jonathan Schmidt on on the 2nd of January. So right after New Year's, we're going to have a pretty much right out the gate. Um, we're going to be doing... Uh, Dungeon Core Online, books one and two. After that, on the 16th, we'll have uh, EC Godhand on for the um, Heartfire Healer series for Viridian Gate Online. She's then, great. Shout out to Emily. She's, uh, she's fantastic. And, oh, God, it was so good. And that's one Joel and I were actually really looking forward to hitting Audible because we we're like, yes, we want a healer book. <laughs> um, after that, we have, I'm trying to remember, oh, on the 30th, uh, Ryan, who was on our episode for the land that we did earlier this year, will be joining us and we will be talking about classic anime tropes that are in what RPG, but also uh, animes with lit RPG elements and kind of having a 
whole thing on that because he's the host of Anime Nation on Penultimate Conquest. So I was like, who else is better to pick than the guy who knows nothing but anime? So, or who knows everything about anime because he knows a lot of crap, a lot of stuff. And <laughs> we love Ryan here. Um, and then on the 13th of February, we will be bringing back Anna Masika and uh, Zachary Johnson to discuss Cyber Squad Level 2. So, yeah, we, we have a busy schedule ahead of us. Nice. So, uh, but for everything lit RPG, game lit, cultivation, all that fun stuff, this has been Stats on Stats. Of course, my name is Richie Stevens, joined by Joel Harvey and Harmon Cooper. We hope you all have a wonderful evening. <laughs> Bye, guys.